Welcome to God and Country, presented by Beach Catholic. I'm Joe Ciora, along with Jordan Bernhardi, the host of this show. We originally had uh, Nick Costelli from Notre Dame and New Hyde Park on to discuss COVID and the uh, lockdowns and how that has affected faith and the church. But uh, I think we're going we, to uh, change it up a little bit instead. Yeah, that's right, Joe. We decided that, you know, a more a more timely uh, topic to discuss um, would be our, our, our new president, President Biden. Um, who who is a catholic um and you know we we want to touch on on that a little bit um you know i think a lot of people are are kind of questioning a little bit of of what's going on you know he he's he's a catholic but then he also has a stance on something like abortion um which is is contrary to our catholic faith um so we'll be talking a little bit about that we'll also be talking about in general kind of this this conversion that we're all called to um to have um from our from our ways of sin to a life uh, with Christ, um, and and those are some of the things we want to talk about tonight. We also talk about this encounter um, and and ways that we can have an encounter with Christ. So uh, we hope you enjoy the show. Uh, let's bring on Mike Griffin. All right, and we are here with Mike Griffin. Mike, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Really happy to be here. Uh, my name is Mike Griffin. I'm a high school history teacher, and I also work with uh, middle school religious education. Uh, I've been working with Beach Catholic for about five or six years now uh, with Father Brian, and uh, really happy to be with you guys tonight. Awesome. Yeah, and thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks, Mike, for being a part of the show today. Um, I think you'll be able to add, you know, a little, little uh, more of a background um, to kind of what we're talking about tonight, based on your work with um, evangelization and and faith formation and things like that. Um, but I think to start it off, you know, uh, the other uh, earlier this week we celebrated the feast of the conversion of Saint Paul um, back on Monday, the twenty uh, fifth of January, and basically the story of Saint Paul is is such an amazing one in terms of um, encounters. Uh, a few a few days ago, we brought our religious ed uh, 7th and 8th graders uh, into Eucharistic adoration. And the, the, the times that we've done them, they've just been so moving, I think. I mean, I think the three of us have all been there. They've just been so incredibly effective um, for the kids and even for for us three as as catechists, I think it's awesome to see kind of the faith that these kids do have. Um, and it all kind of stems from this whole encounter thing. And so going back to the St. Paul story, he 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 is a vicious persecutor of Christians. Um, he's killing them for the sake of their faith. And and this is what we were kind of touching on with the kids. Uh a few days ago during this holy hour we had with them and you know we were we were telling them um about saint paul and about the persecutions and about how horrible of a person he he was um and he's the story is he's on his way to damascus um where he's going to persecute more christians um literally just for believing in and practicing their faith and it's on his way there that he has this encounter with Christ. He, he sees this mysterious bright light um, and it, it knocks him to his feet and he's, he's blinded by this light. Um, and, and he says like, who are you? What is this? Um, 
And, and basically this light says, you know, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Um, and Paul is, is like taken back and, and he doesn't know what to do. And basically Paul says like, what do you want me to do? What do you need me to do, Lord? Um, it's this moment of encounter. And, and this voice says to him, rise and enter the city and you'll be told what you are to do. And I think it's so amazing that, you know, he's going to Damascus to persecute these Christians. Um, and, and even once he's stopped by this, by this encounter with, with Christ, he, the, the voice tells him, no, keep going to the city because I have a completely different path for you. And basically it, it goes along and it ends up that Paul becomes this um, incredible evangelizer um, and, and just missionary for the church and encourages people to practice their faith. It does this complete 180 um, in a way that really is just such an amazing um, story that I think we can all look on. Uh, we can all look at and it, it all comes from this encounter. And that's what we keep on stressing this encounter. And with, with encounters come opportunities um, to, to spread the gospel, to spread the good news. Um, and I think that ties a lot into kind of our society today. Like we're, we're in this crisis, you know, the story of St. Paul where he, there's a crisis going on. He's persecuting these people. I mean, I think in a way we are in a crisis in our world today in terms of faith. Um, and specifically, I think we look at things like um, abortion. Uh, it, it's such a crisis in our world today. Um, do you guys want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I think the, and just the division that's in the country that we've seen over the past months of past years um, is it's troubling when we look at the division, you know, if I'm in the, the classroom with my high school students or on a Sunday night with the middle school students, it's something that, you know, the kids see, the kids hear about, they hear it from adults, they see it on social media, this division in our country. And I think the, you know, we just passed the anniversary of Roe versus Wade and there's no way to, for it not to be mentioned in, in, in our society today, that the division over what's the, what's the right thing is should, should women have the choice or is that a life? And of course, as Catholics, we know it, it, the science is kind of undeniable. It's you know, at the moment of conception, that DNA is, is the same DNA that will be present at adulthood at 18 days. There's, there's a heartbeat brain waves at 42 days. I mean, that is a living human being. Uh, from the moment of conception. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we see in this new administration um, where there's a lot of opportunity, you know, Joe Biden is a Catholic. He, when he was inaugurated, he went to mass the morning of his inauguration. He started his speech with a prayer. He quoted the book of Psalms and uh, quoted St. Augustine, I think in his speech, there's so much opportunity that we see with him at being the first Catholic president since JFK, you know, 60 years ago. Um, and, you know, we don't want to just start within his first week of presidency bashing him and saying there's no, there's no hope because there's great opportunity, isn't there? You know, great opportunity in his, the fact that he is a Catholic. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's just, it's interesting because 
you know, we, we've had, we've had uh, a lot of uh, religious presidents, I guess you could say. And um, I, like you said, not a Catholic one in a long time. And I know people, uh, JFK, uh, history's kind to him because of, uh, obviously he was assassinated, but as a, as a man, like he, no one looks at JFK and is like, oh, he's a, he was a model Catholic uh, guy. So it's interesting. Now we have Joe Biden and, and he's got these odd stances on abortion that seem to, you know, go right against, right against his faith that he seems to be devout. You know, he, like Mike said, he, he went to mass on, on the day of his inauguration on uh, January 20th. And this past Sunday, he was at mass again. So there's, there's, I, that's why I think there's hope. There's gotta be hope there because something's clicking for him to, to go. So, you know, I don't think anyone should start this administration off with a bad foot saying like, there's no hope, but it's, it's interesting. That's it's, there's a weird balance there for sure. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting, like you're saying, Joe, in a way that, um, you know, this is the, the first Catholic president that we've had in, in 60 years. Um, and but the other side to it is, you know, on like the first day of his presidency, taking these stands um, on abortion, uh, one of the statements that was put out by the white house uh like a day or two after uh, President Biden was inaugurated, uh, basically says that like he and and Vice President Harris are are going forward to to codify Roe v. Wade. Um, obviously, the Supreme Court case that legalizes abortion, um, and it's it's crazy to I think in a way that you can you know have these two sides. Um, because I think our faith should drive our our actions. Um, in all that we do. Right. I think there's no, like we don't, as a good Catholic, like you don't get to take a break from your faith. Like it's, it's how you live your life. It's not like, Oh, some days I'm this great Catholic. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, blah, blah, blah. I'm, you know, doing these horrible things that are completely contrary to my faith. Um, I, I think it's just a, it's an issue in general sometimes that we face as Catholics where like we don't represent enough um, of what we believe uh, in, in it, makes it, it makes it difficult too to you know when you're whether you're an adult or, or a kid if you're looking on at the president saying he's a Catholic and he's going to mass um, but he's for abortion he's he's pro-choice and I think it's very confusing for many Americans who are Catholic and I think it's a core issue that we see in the church today of, um, you know, they call them cafeteria Catholics. You kind of pick and choose, you know, you believe in Jesus, you believe who he is and what he said in the resurrection, but these things that the church stands for or, or the church teaches, we disagree with. And I think um, we need to, you know, personally ourselves need to pray that we can, even when we might not fully understand the church's teachings, that we can, pray that we can continue to trust the church um, and also pray for the conversion of these people who are in positions to make such a difference. I mean, if you were to tell someone that there's a Catholic president, you would think that uh, he's going to take stances that, you know, are still constitutional, but also in align with uh, his core beliefs uh, that of the church and of our teachings. Yeah, absolutely. And like we keep saying, it's puzzling because he he was pro-life. He was for many years a, as a Democrat, 
was pro-life as much of the party was. So this is like, it's an, it's a new phenomenon, this, this shift of the, of the pro-choice um, movement on the left side. But we also have to acknowledge on the right side, there's politicians that are, are doing the same thing, obviously not in the pro-life area, but, but in, in other, in other areas. So this is not a left and right issue. This is, this is a greater issue in our country. And I think in our culture. Yeah. yeah I and think, I think, uh, no, go ahead, Mike. I think too, like, you know, the USCCB has made multiple statements um, right away. You know, this is an old body of bishops who aren't usually this active and they've, they've come up with like two or three statements already um, in the first week of his presidency. But Archbishop Gomez from Los Angeles had a, a really interesting quote. He said that uh, he's kind of moved by Biden's personal story and his witness to faith. And, you know, Biden's gone through a lot of tragedy in his life, and he's clearly leaned on his Catholic faith during those times. Um, and Gomez, Archbishop Gomez says he finds that hopeful and inspiring. So, um, like Joe said before, there's, there has to be hope here um, for, for this presidency, for our country, under his leadership. Uh, we have to continue to pray for that. Yeah, so here is a quote from that article, uh, going back to my point that, like, like, uh, like I said, this is not a, a partisan issue. So he says, uh, Archbishop Gomez says, Catholic bishops are not partisan players in our, na- in our nation's politics. We are pastors responsible for the souls of millions of Americans, and we are advocates for the needs of our neighbors. In every community across the country, Catholic parishes, schools, hospitals, and ministries form an essential culture of compassion and care, serving women, children, and the elderly, the poor, and the sick. The uh, the imprisoned, uh, imprisoned uh, the migrant, and the marginalized, no matter what race or religion. That is not a political statement whatsoever. That is, that's dogma right there from the bishop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think kind of, kind of touching upon a little bit of what Mike mentioned earlier, but you know, kind of the theme that we're talking about, uh, like opportunity. I, I think this, this whole situation kind of presents a lot of different people with opportunities. I think it presents the church with an opportunity to um, really state what we believe. I think really clearly, like, so, so there is not so much confusion. Um, It's, it's not all the time that something, a situation like this, where we have someone who claims to be Catholic and then they go against such a, um, such an important, teaching of our faith, we don't usually see that, I feel like, so much in public, especially in the presidency. Um, and and like we were kind of going on before, like it, it confuses people, it confuses Catholics, um, and it confuses people who aren't Catholic, it confuses their, their view of what the church believes. And I think that, like I was saying it, this situation affords the church an opportunity to kind of come out and say, like, listen, you know, this is what we believe, and this is why we believe it. Um, putting it in such a in such a public spot, I think, really offers the church a good opportunity in that respect. Absolutely, and I think you know, in terms of church's teachings, um, like the church and people who are involved in the church. Like when I'm with the students, whether it's in the Catholic high school I teach at, or um, with religious ed students in, in the Barrier Island, I think telling them specifically, you know, what 
do we believe as Catholics and even for adults and what do we actually believe? And a lot of people go back to like the kerygma, which is a fancy Greek word for just, you know, a proclamation of our faith. Um, you know, what do we proclaim as, as Catholics, you know, that we were created on purpose with a purpose by God that throughout human history, humans have rejected God. We, we turn away from him. Um, but that Jesus came to save us. He died the death we should have, um, he lived the life we should have, but it's the best news in history that we're saved. He rose from the dead. And I think the two most important parts of that, you know, after we talk about the creation and, and that we've fallen away and that we are saved. So what's next? I think we kind of forget what's after that. The fact that we we're saved, it, we're, we're all called to, to some sort of conversion. Like Jordan was talking about with St. Paul, we're, each and every one of us, um, the president included, our, me, Joe, and Jordan included, we're called to convert our lives, turn away from sin and towards God every single day of our lives. And we can experience that through the sacraments, um, through, through the Eucharist and the seven sacraments of our, of our faith. So I think we need to be more explicit as a church in, in teaching the conversion part as well and looking at examples of saints and also um you know modern day conversions can really be a help for us to convert and turn towards god every single day yeah i mean that's something unique about our church we have saints we have real people who we can look up to to see like they were imperfect a lot of them far from far from perfect and they they took this call they you know, they, they lived this life knowing that, you know, they weren't going to be perfect, but at the end of the day, they chose the right path. And that's something that other churches, a lot of other faiths can't really, really point to like people that their, their church, their, um, their religion says these people did it right. And, and we know for a fact that they're in heaven. And that's, that's something that we all can aspire to. And that's why, that's why we do these things like the holy hours with the kids, especially now with a smaller group, I mean, you see it, you see kids, their eyes are opened definitely. And it's, it's something that I think it's, I don't know anybody else who can offer that. Yeah. And going back to the whole conversion thing, it's like, and, and the saints, we, so many of our saints have had these, you know, radical conversion stories where they live one life and then they encounter Jesus and they completely do what St. Paul does and they, they completely turn their lives around for the sake of their faith. And I think that we, we always got to be praying for the conversion of the people we love, the people we don't love, um, you know, the people we're not close with, the people we are close with, because when, I think when we, when we're able to do that, we, we become, more Christ-like in a sense that we're, um, you know, we're, 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 we're seeing the good in other people. We're seeing um, what God can do in their hearts. And, you know, we look at St. Paul or, um, you know, look at the lineage of, of Jesus. The ancestors of Jesus are marked with the worst sins, murderers, um, prostitutes, like the worst sinners you can imagine. Um, they're the ancestors of Jesus. Like that's a, such a powerful message of with God, you know, no matter who you think you are, if you think you're, uh, you, you're too, you're too old or you're not good enough for conversion. Um, 
Jesus has done much more with, with much less um, in, in human history. So, you know, we're all called to that conversion. I think of a lot of times with conversion, like, you know, I always think of, I guess, Father Brian has me geared sometimes to like just thinking of a movie, you know, thinking of a, a great movie. Like, remember the Titans um, is one that sticks out to me. You have, you know, Gary Brutier and you have the, the white uh, football players and the black football players. And at a time where, you know, them coming together was, was unheard of, wouldn't happen. And I remember in, in the beginning of the movie when they're going off to like their summer camp and Brutier talks to Denzel Washington, the coach, and is like, you know, we don't, we don't need any of your kind on defense. Like we're, we're set on defense. We're good with that. Um, and just the racism behind the, this beginning of the, the movie and then they're taken to Gettysburg College and they just have these, these moments of encounter with one another um, that we can com- completely compare to like encounters with Jesus. And by, you know, halfway through the movie, you know, Gary Boutier is best friends with, uh, you know, another black player on the team. And uh, his eyes were opened, kind of like you know, St. Paul's eyes were opened on the road to Damascus. Um, there's just so many examples of, of conversion in society today and of like great conversion stories uh, that are kind of seen as secular conversions, but can totally be compared to our faith and kind of what we aspire to do as Catholics. So yeah, uh, conversions are, are all around history and all around our faith. And uh, another uh, one that I'm sure everyone knows is the, the prodigal son. And some people were, were discussing how it wasn't just the, the son who decided to come back because he had no, like he did decide to come back because he had no money, like he had nowhere else to go. But what really caused his conversion was the, the father running to the son. He, he doesn't just like, oh, it's my son. Like, and he lets the son come back and then he like throws it in his face. Like, oh, now you're back. No, it's, it's, he was joyous. He was like, finally, like he's back and this is, this is it. And it, 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 it makes you think like how many people in our lives could be that son could be someone who who's just needs an invitation who just needs an encounter to come back you know what uh, it could be the president of the united states like who knows because like like we've been saying he was once he was once found now he's lost it's is it, is it backwards who knows but you know it's he's another it's, he's an example of of humanity basically so and and the fact that he's a catholic is a good start um, I don't, I don't think we should be, you know, all doom and gloom, you know, uh, what was me kind of a thing. This is, I don't think we're anywhere near that. And I think the, just look to the prodigal son, look to the, look to the scriptures, look to, to our faith. Cause this, there is, there's opportunity everywhere. And I think Joe, you mentioned such a good point with the prodigal son. It's, it's God's love that allows us to convert, um, it, he doesn't love us because we convert um, his love. He loved us first. So how can we as people spread that message of God's love? And also how can we, how can we be loving to our neighbors to help uh, them convert when they need converted and help ourselves convert um, when we need it? Yeah, yeah I think the, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, go for it. Um, I just remember a few years back, Father Brian uh, was talking about the prodigal son uh, in a homily, and he basically was saying that, like, it it almost should be called the prodigal father, um, 
And if you think about it, he went on to mention like the word prodigal. What does it mean? Like the definition of prodigal is like lavish, extravagant, like crazy. And you think about it, it's it's the prodigal love that the father has for his son. Um, you know, this this outlandish love, this over the top love of, you know, welcoming his son home after he's done all these things. But after all, he still he still loves his son. And, you know, that's the love that the father has for us. And that's why we we need to we need to come to him. That's how we we get fulfilled. That's how we are satisfied. So just to tie it, uh, tie it all back to um, adoration and, and that the ultimate witness, I guess, because uh, that's what basically what adoration is. Like Mike says, when uh, like he says to the students, when you're at adoration, you're looking at Jesus and he's looking back at you. You don't even have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. You're just there. And, and uh, Jordan ended his, his talk with a, a sentence or a passage from the, the gospel, I think could be uh, great to add it here um, to finish up today. Yeah. So in the gospel from this past Sunday, um, we, we hear Jesus saying when he's, when he's coming into Galilee, he says, the, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And, and we were all kind of thinking like, the kingdom of God is at hand. And you see that firsthand with, um, you know, our, the, the students we bring into adoration of the blessed sacrament, we, we offer them the opportunity to, to get close. We, we set up a chair that's, you know, closer to the monstrance with the blessed sacrament. And it, it really gives these students the opportunity to, you know, witness this kingdom of God, like, like Joe was saying, like this, incredible witness you know we we afford them with this opportunity and and it's clear that they take advantage of it um and it's and it's so effective for them we see it in in their their going to confession um and and in their praying um it's just a beautiful sight and it it really offers us a lot of hope we we hope it offers them a lot of hope um and just some quiet time alone with the blessed sacrament so i, I mean i think that's 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 what we, that's the takeaway, I think, from all of this is, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel.